Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips and Scott Smith there. And this is one of my favorite shows of the whole year. It is our final one right before the draft. And I feel like this is when everyone has all those final draft questions. This is the most information that we will have according to all the other mock drafts, which of course are totally accurate and we know everything <laughs> that's going to happen. But I love this show. We get to talk about all the things that we think might happen and then we're completely wrong tomorrow night. <laughs> it's great. So this is where you get to ask all those questions. Go on to our Facebook if you're not already there. Leave your comment <coughs> under the live video. As always, we love hearing where you're watching from as well. So as we give people a chance to get some of those questions in, for you, this this day, final day, right before the draft, if you had to decide what you think they're going to do, putting you on the spot here, because I know people are going to ask you, so I, I might as well go ahead and get that out of the way. I really find it, I, I find it kind of incredible that we still don't have clarity on what the Cardinals are going to do at number mm. one. I thought for sure by now there would be some piece of evidence like um, Josh Rosen being traded, obviously. Or, there's little bits of evidence. There's little things you see that make you think that everybody's opinion, the, the main consensus, consensus, although it's been fading a little bit lately, uh, that Kyler Murray's going to be the first overall pick. Uh, you, you see little things like the fact that he's going to the draft. Uh, you know, would he do that if there was a chance he was going to fall? The fact that Josh Rosen said on a show that um, he still wasn't sure, which to me, that's, that's the best piece of evidence. Right. But – it's still not certain, but I, let's just go under. You asked me who I think we're going to do. Let's just go under the assumption that Kyler Murray does go first. Mm -hmm. Now there's four picks left. I'm personally of the opinion that any one of these four defensive linemen or edge rushers of Qu Quinn and Williams, Nick Bosa, Josh Allen, or Ed Oliver would be an awesome pick for the Buccaneers, and you can't miss. Yeah. You can't miss. And yesterday after practice, uh, somebody asked Bruce Arians how far – the team would be willing to trade down if it traded down. And you may recall that at his pre-draft press conference last week, Jason Light said there is a line. There's a line where, you know, where our prospects go from the absolute top tier mm -hmm. to the next tier. And there's still, and then he said there's still tons of great players from like 20 to 60. There's lots of great players. But there's a line. I don't know if it's 9. I don't know if it's 10. But Bruce, they would only go so far. And Bruce said yesterday, he's like, there's six guys I would love to have. Right. I'm not sure six is the absolute line, but he could think of six right there. That And he's like, it's going to take – you're going to have to open a vault and throw the bank at me for us to want to trade back. So i, I got to believe that is something out of this possibly historic class of defensive linemen slash edge rushers and or a linebacker like Devin White. Okay. i got to believe it's that. And I've said it all along. This is just me. This isn't what I know that they're thinking. But if you have an opportunity, you're picking fifth in this draft, you are one of the teams that can get one of these awesome, what Bruce called once-in-a-generation type players. Uh, I think you got to take that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I would love to have Devin White. And if, it, if that happens, then we'll all be ecstatic about it. But I'm of the opinion if you got a shot at one of these potentially – franchise altering pass rushers you need to take them okay uh jordan said he believes we should get josh allen at all cost which that makes that me means think at all costs potentially like to trade trading up, up. so what what are your thoughts on the idea of no, trading up i am I, I wouldn't do that at all uh it's just too expensive and when you can just sit there at five and get an awesome player like i'm not i'm not convinced that josh allen is better than ed oliver as, as an example interesting and uh Maybe he is, maybe he's not, but I'm not convinced of it. So I certainly wouldn't trade up when I can just sit there and maybe get Josh Allen at five. And even if I don't, I get Ed Oliver or mm -hmm. Nick Bosa. If if the Jets decide to go, you know, if, if San Francisco decides they want to get an inside guy and take, say, Quinn and Williams at two, then, I, you know, when I did my mock draft, I had the, the net uh, – the, the Jets taking Nick Bosa, but what if they like Ed Oliver more? Right. Uh, when we were doing our mock draft, 
on the smart board, that's who Carmen thought they would take. So, And I've seen it in other drafts. Ed Oliver's stock has really risen in the last couple of weeks. And as I said in that smart board video, that doesn't mean that NFL teams have suddenly decided to like Ed Oliver a lot more. That right. two weeks ago they thought he was a 10th overall pick and now they think he's the third to fifth overall pick. It's just that as you get closer to the draft, the assembled media finds out more real information, realizes, hey, these guys actually love Ed Oliver. Mm -hmm. And so maybe we should put him a little higher in our mock drafts. Yeah, that is a great <coughs> distinction of when people are rising up it the just boards. Means, it just means we're catching up to what yes, other teams are exactly. doing, not that all of a sudden after – you know, a year plus of scouting these right. guys in the last week, they're like, wait a minute. Uh, yes, exactly. We should move this guy. <laughs> and I do think guys can fall on a draft, on a team's draft board. If there's new information yeah, that comes out. Or a guy gets hurt. Yeah, you know? yeah I think Rashawn Gary had a, a shoulder injury that just came out, and maybe that will hurt his stock just That's a little an interesting bit. point. And we've got a lot of people watching from all over the place. We've got cool. in Australia, we've got yeah. in Mexico, huh. New Orleans, Raleigh, a whole bunch of places, which is great. I'd um, like to go to all those places, but agreed. especially Australia. I agree. So if you feel I've like I've been to New, through New Mexico. It's a beautiful state. Mm -hmm. The mountains. Um, Brian said, after the first round, what position is most important for the draft? That's a great question, and I think – I'll probably uh, be looking very closely at that uh, tomorrow night after the draft because I'll probably write something for Friday about here's five potential guys that the Bucks could take with I think we're 39th, 7th and 7th and second round, 39th overall. There's going to be some great players available there. And if you go under the assumption that we did take a pass rusher or a linebacker in the first round, to me, that second round pick, I would like to see it spent on an offensive lineman. And I think there's going to be some good ones at the top of the second round, especially if you're, if you're looking for an interior line and, you know, right guard is our least subtle position. Uh, maybe a guy like Dalton Reisner of Kansas State, somebody like that if they slip. Um, or Garrett Bradbury, who's a center, but maybe he can play guard. Uh, or cornerback. And I think there'll be good value at both of those spots because there's probably, or at least everybody expects there to be such a run on defensive linemen. And because up to four quarterbacks could go in the first round, the, the positions that are getting bumped down a little bit, uh, the main one is cornerback. So mm -hmm. if you believe these assembled mock drafts, if you think there's a consensus there that means anything, then you, you see that sometimes the top corner isn't going to 20, 22, something like that. And that means while this isn't a particularly top-heavy group of corners, like some years, there's no Denzel Ward there that somebody's going to take in the top five, there's there's a good depth. And so the second and third round, I think you're going to see a lot of cornerbacks go, safeties too. So to me, it's either guard or defensive back. Okay, or that's interesting. Uh, Jason <laughs> said, B.A. said in his press conference yesterday, there are six top players yeah, in this draft. Yeah, mm -hmm. in your opinion, who, who are, are they? our six? <laughs> okay. You had to see that coming. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just going to say, now, I'm just going to say that Kyler Murray isn't one of them, although it's possible because, as Bruce said, uh, yesterday, also said yesterday, you don't draft for need. If you draft for need, that's how you get fired. And I think he means mostly in the first round. He says you just he says you take the best player, and if you already have two of those, well, now you got three. Uh, that said, I think there's a a little bit of a caveat there if we're talking about quarterback, hmm. because you can't play two quarterbacks, right? And you can't really commit the funds to two quarterbacks like that. So, I mean, it's important to have several good quarterbacks, you know, and that's why we've been developing right. Ryan Griffin and signed Blake Bortles, <laughs> Blake Bortles, Blaine Gabbert, Gabbert <laughs> former Jaguar, yeah. starts with a B. Um, I knew it as soon as I said yeah. that I was wrong. Uh, so you, you accidentally did that to my Mizzou guy, I can tell. Sorry you know. about that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll get Drew Locke and have another Mizzou yeah, guy. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I'm going to remove Kyle Murray from that, even though he, 
obviously on some, some people's boards could be one of the top six players, and maybe we even think he's one of the most top six talented. I would say the four guys that I just said, the defensive lineman that I just said, and Devin White, and then the sixth one is tricky. Uh, you know, maybe it's an maybe it's an offensive lineman like Jawan Taylor, or maybe it's one of the uh, another one of the next guys down the list on the defensive lineman like Rashawn Gary. Mm-hmm. Probably that would be my guess, Rashawn Gary, something like that. Okay. Um, Kevin said, if Oliver and Sweat are available, who do you predict the Bucks pick? I predict the Bucks would take Oliver in that situation. Just the thing about Sweat is, you know, there is a little bit of concern with what came out about his potential heart thing, and that could be nothing, and he's played with it already. So, But I still think teams take that into account when they're choosing between A and B, and A and B are close. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> I... I've seen a few people mentioning the concept of at five who is worth taking at five. So I'm trying to figure out the best way to kind of combine these all into one question. But some people are saying, I want Devin White, but not at five. Yeah, I understand. So what do you think of that sentiment that if there's a player that you want, but if you don't think he's worth a five, what what do you think about that? And it's a good question. And what what people are talking about, when they say that is they want to maximize your draft value. So if you take a guy that no other team would have taken at five and you take him at five, then it feels like a lost opportunity. Like maybe I could have traded back to nine, gained another second round pick and still, still gotten my guy at number nine. And that's understandable. The problem is you can't always make that happen. You may want to trade back to nine and take Devin White at nine rather than five and get some other assets out of it. Because then you're using a fifth-round pick to get Devin White plus something else, mm-hmm. like a second- or third-round pick. That's a great plan. But, A, you can't, you can't guarantee that another team's going to go along with it. Another team's going to be motivated enough right. to give you what you want to trade. Uh, so if that's the case, if you're sitting there, man, Devin White is the guy we need. That's, that's our number one guy that we need. We love him. I know this hasn't been considered a position that would normally be drafted in the top five. But two years from now, is it going to matter that we took him at number five or number nine? If you would take him at five, take him at nine. I mean, mm-hmm. if you would take him at nine, take him at five. That's yeah. simply – He's either worth having on your team or he's not. Yeah, and yeah. if he's worth a, a first-round pick at nine, then he's worth a first-round pick at five. Yes, you do – but, yes, you do try to play the draft for value. You try. But if you can't, then you have to do that. And then there's also the idea that are you certain that nobody else would take him between five and nine, that nobody at six, six seven, risky. eight? And if that's the guy you want, you're taking a, you're taking a big risk. I was listening to – this podcast, and it was like, it's a series of podcasts, all these locked on sites like Locked On Bucks, Locked On Dolphins, all that. And it was very interesting. And each one, like the first six picks, they spent an hour on. When it got to our guys who were picking for the Bucks, they traded down to 11 with Cincinnati. And when it finally got to them at 11, they said, We had a list of four or five guys that we were prepared to take, and we were sure one of them was going to make it, and none of them, made, none of them it. made it. And so they were, they were kind of at a loss, and they ended up taking Christian Wilkins, who's probably going to be a great player. But I'm not sure he's in our top five. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's an interesting So point. it's risky. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Sean says he's watching from Washington, D.C. Cool. And wants to know if there is any buzz about draft day player trades. So instead of actually trading the yeah. the well, picks, it could involve that too, but more about actually trading players trade a player on draft day. There is buzz, but it's not coming from inside the building. That doesn't mean they're not talking about it. I'm just saying if you're hearing things about us potentially trading a player, um, it's not coming from here. So right. Okay. I'm sure they're hearing the same buzz we are. So. Right. That's an interesting question. Um. And then we 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 got to work one non-draft question in here. Um. Brian no, asked. I'm sorry. I know. Right. That's we'll not, not talk about it. Brian else. asked. Uh. Why do some players not show up to OTAs or workouts? Because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. That is the answer. Now, yesterday, we had two guys who weren't here, 
and they simply weren't here because they, I, I guess their wife's about to give birth. So sometimes it's just right. life gets in the way. And if this, if this had been a mandatory minicamp and they'd called up Bruce and said, my wife's about to give birth, Bruce, I 100% certain would have said, see you next week. You know, take care of that. Right. So sometimes life, there are things in life that happen that are more important. But we cannot get on guys for not showing up. They, that's, that was a thing that was bargained into the CBA. They were, there's give and take that made that happen. There are things that the teams got that they wanted and things that the players got that they wanted. And since that's the system, you simply cannot bag on a guy for not being here. Now, you can say, if it was me, I'd be there because I want to get all the work I can. Right. I mean, but some guys don't necessarily feel that way. And sometimes they may be right. Think back to last year. I don't think Jason Pierre-Paul came to a lot of our – yeah, he seemed uh, he seemed like it was just fine. Yeah, and our coaches back then were, you know, we're talking about JPP here, and he knows what he's doing. And he came in here and hit the ground running, and within like a few days of training camp, uh, you know, former head coach Dirk Cutter was saying, obviously he didn't need it, right? And he's fine, and some guys can do that. So you know, you can feel I, it, there's nothing wrong with feeling like if I were a player, I'd be there every day working. But you just have to remember that it is voluntary, and that's important to remember, and that's how you have to treat it. Okay, uh, Eric is watching from Quebec, and he said, "Are there any free agents on the Bucks' radar after the draft to fill any voids <coughs> if the draft doesn't pan out exactly how they want?" I'm sure there are, but I don't know what they are. Sorry about that. Um, that's exactly right, though. And one thing to remember is that players signed after free agents signed after something like May 5th or May 7th, I can't remember the exact date, do not count in that formula that they use to determine compensatory picks. So mm-hmm. I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's a couple guys out there like Indomitian Sue and maybe um, Ziggy Ansah. I think they have not signed yet, and those are a couple guys that pretty clearly are going to be on a team somewhere. Right. But they're maybe not getting the offers they want right now because the team doesn't really want to spend a lot right now when there's a chance they can get a comparable player or a player for the same position in the draft. But then, as that question said, after the draft, you realize, man, we didn't get a DT. We had right. to go other ways. and cause, So now we're more interested in him, and, and he gets better offers. So I'm sure he's waiting for a better offer. And if a team can wait long enough to get a signee out of their compensatory pick formula, they'll do so. So, yeah, we I think pretty much every year you see a veteran or two sign after mm-hmm. the draft it's just a little hard to predict who that would be right now okay uh kevin and nicholas both asked about our schedule and <laughs> specifically kevin asking about how much of a disadvantage do you think it'll be having the multiple weeks yeah. away from the stadium in the middle of the season well we're going to find out and, and it'll be um it'll be we're going to find out the hard way and it, since it's essentially unprecedented uh we're going to answer that question and it's not been answered before how hard will that be there is the school of thought that you already knew you had eight away games. Well, it feels like nine because of the home game in London and eight or seven home games. And does it matter what order you play them in? You're still going to play that many games at home and that many games on the road and that many right. on a neutral site. It certainly feels like a disadvantage. Uh, you know, it's not It's not like if this is a sport like baseball where you, when you go on a road trip, you go on a road trip and you're gone from home right. for that amount of time. And if it was a seven-week baseball road trip, people would be freaking out. Right. And it would be a definite disadvantage. You have two road games, and then you have the game in London, which we're the home team for, and both teams have the same amount of travel for that one. And then you have a bye week to prepare for the two road games after that. It's probably a disadvantage, but it might not be that big of a disadvantage. And if you get through that, yeah, and then that means you in got a, a whole spot. lot of home games. That's why we have three of our last four at home yeah. and our last two at home. I actually think it's 
less fortunate for our fans. Yeah. Because that's the, that's seven weeks. That's basically two months where they don't get to see this team play at Raymond James Stadium, and, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, that's very true. Um, Douglas said, are there any second-round corners better than Davis or VH3? Um, I will answer that more diplomatically in that I think there are second-round corners that can add to that those two. Right. Make us better all along. And I would particularly like it if that guy was a slot player. Um, however far you want to believe him, he, he certainly knows more about football than I do. Bruce Arian seems quite sold on Vernon and Carlton as a good pair of press corners for this defense. And what he doesn't know yet is the answer at slot corner. So if you can take a guy who can play both but could immediately help you in the slot, uh, that would be good. I, I there's, a, there's a guy from Michigan State – that I like a lot, and there's a guy from Michigan, and I'm blanking on their names right now, but um, I think one of them is named Lane. Uh, I think that's the Michigan State guy. They're both guys that I think you could get in the second or third round, and uh, they have the potential to play in the slot. Okay. So there's definitely value there, and rather than saying they're better than what we got, I just think they would improve our situation overall. Uh, Richard said he's listening from San Gabriel, California. Which player in the draft do you think will fall? So essentially that there, it seems like often there's that one guy that everybody assumed would go really early and then yeah. slides back. I'd like to say Daniel Jones because I, I'm a little surprised at the amount of hype he's getting. Um, you know, he's kind of like Josh Allen in that he doesn't he didn't really have fantastic numbers at Duke and I guess he's big and with a strong arm and he's worked with David Cutcliffe and that's why people compare him to Peyton Manning uh but he just just from his body of work I'm surprised he'd be a first round guy and I'd like to say he might drop out but it we see how the quarterbacks tend to go higher than we expect and not lower so that's probably not a good prediction I'll go back to the guy we were talking about earlier Montez Sweat mm -hmm. and I'm just saying there was a time a couple weeks ago two or three weeks ago where Montez Sweat was being predicted to go in the top like five to seven picks in almost every mock draft and he seems to have lost a little steam and again that's more of an indication of people figuring out what teams actually feel about these guys and so I think he could fall a little farther than people expect. Okay well thanks so much for joining us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Light Hope to see a ton of you guys out at the draft party. We will both be there tomorrow yeah. night doing a little pre-show thing right before the draft. So hope to see you out there and enjoy the draft. We'll see you next week.